Hello, everybody. We begin this episode with some very exciting life news from my partner and co-host, Davis. Davis, do you want to take it away? I got a tattoo! A tattoo, baby! That's really all. Otherwise, everything's pretty normal. But I got a tattoo. It's a turnip. It's on my arm. uh, Why is it a turnip? Uh, I think they look cool. No, it's a family thing. (laughs) It's my mom. It's my my grandparents and my mom's maiden name, uh, Turnip Seed. It's a family tattoo. My mom and sister are going to get another one. Some of my mom's cousins have the turnip. But you were the first. The first in my immediate family, not the first of the turnip seed lineage to get the turnip tattoo. Yeah. Nor will I be the last. True. It's true. How's it feeling? Fine now. (laughs) (laughs) I've had it for over a week Mm -hmm. and... Like, maybe vaguely itchy, but mostly fine. Yeah. So, we're chilling. Nice. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I'm Rowan. I'm Davis. And we're dating, and this is our podcast, Runtime Babe. Welcome. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, so, if you listened to last week's episode, you'll know... Shane. <laughs> <laughs> you'll know that we are big... Uh, or one of us is a huge Barbie fan, and one of us is a new Barbie fan. Um, guess which one is which? Uh, I'm. I think I'm the one that's a big fan, and you're the new fan. Hmm. Interesting. Just based on the fact that I grew up watching many Barbie movies in my childhood. I'll take that under consideration. I'll get back to. How many the, Barbies the have the you ever owned? None. I owned a couple. Mm-hmm. I Wh- had, which ones do you remember? Yeah, I think I had the Genevieve from Twelve Dancing Princesses one, and oh, really? her skirt, if you pressed like a button on her back, would light up and spin around. Whoa. I also. I know I had the. <laughs> The Queen Amidala Barbie, mm-hmm. who had like different headpieces. She was really cool. cool. She was yeah. probably my favorite. I also had um, an Edward from Enchanted Ken doll, and I think I also had a really? Giselle from Enchanted Interesting. Barbie doll. The Edward, that's James Marsden, right? No, Marsden no, no, no. That's. Um, oh, he's Pat- the prince. It's uh, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, and I am pretty new to the world of Barbie, like, within the last few months. Because I'm a manly man, and I only played with trucks when I was a kid. Just kidding. <laughs> I did only play with trucks when I was a kid, but that was a separate issue. Um, <laughs> anyway, so... That was an autism thing, not yeah, a masculinity yeah. <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, so, today, after talking about the, um, the Barbie movies of the past... We are going to talk about uh, Greta Gerwig's Barbie. That is, it's been a week since it was released in theater, so we figured it's like anyone who is super excited to see it has had the time to watch it multiple so we, times. Multiple in some times, cases. so we can talk about it freely. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's basically what we're gonna do today. Yeah, uh, we're recording outside today. I think this might we, be our first. We've never recorded outside yeah. before. We yeah. said let's do it. Yeah. So if you hear like frogs or are this. Are those crickets or frogs? Crickets and birds are what we can hear right right now. There's like a crow, but then also frogs once the sun goes down more. Mm -hmm. Or if you hear like horses running. That sounds like a joke. There's legitimately... Yeah, there are horses right... Horses right outside my house that I doubt the microphone will pick up. Yeah. Um, Just want to deflect that I live near some horses. (laughs) Yeah, uh, it is almost 90 degrees. I don't know uh, why we're doing this. I'm getting bitten by bugs. I am not getting bitten by bugs as far as I know. Um, Anyway, Barbie. Barbie. Uh, So we saw Barbie last Thursday, pretty late at like a 9 p.m. show. Yeah. Uh, I'd say it's one of my... So I I made a list on Letterboxd a while ago, uh, which is my top 50 most anticipated. And this is like ever. Like the movies that I was most excited to see in theaters just ever. And like there's a lot of superhero stuff on there. But... Barbie was the last one on that list that I hadn't seen. Mm. And so I was just super excited. Um, I'm sure you were excited too. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think I made an anticipating list, not like ranked or anything like yours, just to add movies that I was excited about. Barbie is definitely on there. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the moment, like I was excited for a live action Barbie project, but like Greta Gerwig's name being attached to it, right. you're just like, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah. And I guess. First initial takeaway, was it good? Yes. I loved it. Yeah, it was really good. I I thought it was great. I loved it as well. 
Um, before we dive into the actual film, I do want to go through the production history of the Ooh, movie a yeah, little bit. Yeah, tell me the facts. Um, because, I mean, as you might expect, I like there's been a live-action Barbie movie been a development for a long time. But officially, it's been a development since 2009, uh, which uh, when Mattel signed a, a partnership with Universal, which coincidentally produced Oppenheimer, which came out the same day as Barbie, um, which is a whole other thing. Um uh, and then uh, in 2014, they moved on to Sony to produce it, um, and they, they hired some, some filmmakers, and filming was supposed to begin at the end of that year, so they were on the track to make it. But then in 2015, uh, Diablo Cody was brought onto the project to rewrite the screenplay, Diablo Cody of Juno, uh, Jennifer's Body, and Jagged Little Pill. Which, oh my god, that is the exact type of voice I would want on a totally. Barbie movie. Yeah, yeah, it's like her or Greta Gerwig. Yeah, I yeah, would, would I didn't even know that was an option. Mm-hmm. I'd be so into that. Yeah. I am honestly fascinated as to what Diablo Cody's Barbie would would look a like. A tangent. I yeah. found out today mm-hmm. that Neil Gaiman, like mm-hmm. famous comics creator mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman, and Guillermo del Toro pitched a Doctor Strange movie to Marvel. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That would be so good. There's a whole Wikipedia page for Guillermo del Toro's unrealized projects because there are so many. And oh somewhere in an alternate universe, all of those exist. And I would glorious. love to see those two specifically, yeah. their take on the Doctor Strange character. Yeah. Totally. Anyway, I, back we to... could do a whole episode on like unrealized films. I would actually love to put let's that together. Let's do that. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. That let's sounds fun. I will start. I, because I'm, I heard that. I'm going to get super like... excited and start researching that tonight. And I was like, Jesus Christ, why doesn't this? exist like that yeah. those are the perfect people to do a doctor strange movie right but i don't think it was a part of the big marvel plan totally. when it was pitched yeah that's why i think you know dc had the right idea for a while instead of trying to tie everything together into a cinematic universe just find the creators that are most passionate about the characters exactly, and just make movies it yeah. doesn't have to be all tied in they can tie together but it doesn't have to be like a whole massive cinematic universe. I like what Marvel did for a while. Now it's kind of fallen apart. Yeah. And so maybe they're going to go well, the more... Yeah, I want more of the unique voices. Mm-hmm. Because, like, I think I would have loved to see... Who was Chloe? Chloe Zhao. I would love to see Chloe Zhao's um, Eternals if it didn't have to tie in. Like, if they if they didn't have to think about all the other Marvel lore. Right. I think it would have been, like, a really good movie mm-hmm. if it wasn't trying to, like... If it didn't have to be a Marvel movie, if it could just be about these Marvel characters in like a standalone thing. Yeah. And then same with like seeing Taika Waititi and what he did with Thor Ragnarok. Like that, that's what I want. Right. Is just people with unique voices doing these movies. Totally. Like Barbie. Yeah. I don't, I think this could have been a major cash grab, which it was for sure. But But with passionate filmmakers with unique voices working on it. Yeah. Which... That's why I think it was so successful. Anyway, totally. back to development history. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, uh, filming, of course, did not begin in late 2014, nor did it begin in 2015. Uh, in December 2016, Amy Schumer entered negotiations to play the title role, which is perhaps oh, okay, the most infamous alternate Barbie. Yeah, that would have been. Um, which I think that would have been very been, different. Yeah, uh, I am personally not a fan of Amy Schumer's like comedic style. Uh, and I know m- many others aren't either, and other people are less nice about it. I think she could have done a fun take on the character. Yes. I think it would have been no more than that. Mm-hmm. Just like a fun movie where Barbie is different than you imagine her. Yeah. But I don't think it would have been, would have had as much to say as this. Yeah. Or would have been nearly as good. Um I'm not a hater of Amy Schumer. Right. But like yeah. I don't I I I don't hate her. I just don't seek out her stuff. Same. Yeah. I would say same. Yeah. Um she left in March 2017 uh, uh supposedly because of scheduling conflicts with the filming start date and then in and then this year she said that she left the film due to creative differences which is sort of like a like a like an umbrella term for I didn't want to do this so yeah. I'm going to leave. Or they didn't want me to do exactly. this. Exactly. Uh, and then just a couple months later Anne Hathaway entered consideration for for Barbie which also would have been entirely different. Yeah. But not necessarily bad. I I think she again it would have been a a completely different thing but I think it could have been a good thing. Yeah. Just not good in the same way. That this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and then they just sort of cycled through some other writers and directors. So it's it's sort of in the development hell area at, at this point. Um, 
And then uh, the rights just went back to Mattel because they didn't make a movie. So now Mattel was – it was just back to square one. Uh, And um, then uh, they transferred the rights to Warner Brothers. And, of course, that's the studio that ended up making the finished film. Um, Margot Robbie entered early talks for the role in 2018. So – we're starting to get on the track to where we are going to go. Uh, Patty Jenkins was briefly considered to direct her. She of Wonder Woman um, fame and Wonder Woman 1984. And one not, of which is great and one of which, which is, I yeah. haven't seen but have heard is not great. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, she was supposed to do a Star Wars movie that is probably never going to happen. Has a Star Wars been directed by a woman? No. Okay. Right? No. 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 I don't no, think so. No. You would know more than me. Yeah. Um, at least not like like, like a not, main Not thing. like a, a film. Like a saga live action film. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so then uh, Margot Robbie was pretty much set in stone uh, in July 2019. And then it was just kind of smooth, like not, not like smooth sailing from there. But then uh, uh, Greta Gerwig came on board. And so she oh, wrote. what a dream team. Yeah, right? And so she wrote it with uh, her partner, Noah Baumbach, who is a great director. Yeah. Uh, I, like, I'm not his biggest fan. I, I like his movies fine. Yeah. Uh, I like Francis Ha. I liked, well, I thought, um, what was the one that came out last year? White Noise. I thought White Noise was fine. Yeah. Um, Greta was in that. Yeah. So she, she like, she kind of killed it, killed it in that. Um, but uh, then they were, so they were given full creative freedom in writing this movie, which is great and so bold by Mattel, but the right move. Oh, it's so the right move. Yeah. I think Mattel, I would say, like, this movie, I think, had to hold back on its critiques of capitalism mm-hmm. and of Mattel, but allowing them to still poke a little bit of fun painted them in such like the company because they knew this movie was going to make them so much money Mm -hmm. like the insane amounts of merchandising they can do around this movie beyond just like major box office success and stuff Mm -hmm. like that Mattel sacrificing a little of the like they're going to poke fun at the fact that the the board's a bunch of men and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and make them look like slightly idiotic but without going very far in any of that, yeah. like that's the right call by Mattel to just be like, hey, go ahead, you know, tear us a new one a little, like within reason, and they'll make just absurd amounts of money from that. Yeah. So like. It was absolutely the right move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they wrote the so they wrote the script uh, during the initial COVID lockdown, uh, which I'm sure was another factor in like how much like attention it got yeah i guess just just because you know i i don't know what the people listening did during covid but i had more time than i knew what to do with when also okay this is going a little bit deeper yeah um i know during covid a lot of people that experience like some sort of gender divergence like Mm -hmm. who aren't necessarily cis were sort of starting to realize that in lockdown because they didn't have to go out in the world every day and outwardly present their gender so there was no performance like Mm -hmm. there usually is in gender it was just being in your house and existing as you are which kind of makes people like it makes you think if i'm not being perceived by others how does my gender expression differ than if i'm going out into the world Mm -hmm. to be perceived yeah and a lot of this movie is about being a woman and being perceived as a woman Mm -hmm. and like how the world's going to see you and how you want the world to see you and how you feel like you're expected for the world to see you and all sorts of those things and I think during COVID it gave a lot of people and a lot of women and a lot of people that are thinking about gender in general a different light in gender because they got to re-examine what gender means without the public perception and some of these more public systems. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that's and, and, just another and added thing. The of, pressure to be what society wants you to be yeah. as opposed to who you really are. So, so that's another interesting thing. And I don't know if that's true mm-hmm. for Greta right. or Noah or like anyone involved in making this, but I do think writing something during COVID allows for different considerations about gender than 
Because, you know, that's a new experience. Like, everyone knows what it's life like to present your gender to the outside world. But for a while, a lot of us didn't know what it was like to just be ourselves without anyone watching, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Anyway, that's, yeah. that's another thing that I think can be a factor when mm-hmm. it comes to writing a screenplay during COVID. Right. Especially yeah. a screenplay dealing with these topics. Anyway, <laughs> moving on, um, Greta's original, I don't know why I'm calling her Greta. We're not on a first name basis, um, but Greta's original treatment for the movie uh, was basically just an abstract poem about like who Barbie is and what Barbie mm. could be and what Barbie means to her and, to, and what it could mean to other people, yeah. which I just think is perfectly indicative of how deceptive this movie is based on like what it is on the surface and then what it becomes like well, like what it turns into maybe 15 or so minutes in yeah because the trailers did something very like did something very smart in that they presented everything on the surface oh my god barbie's having these thoughts she needs to go into the real world and then we have no idea what happens after that yeah the movie is like is 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 that maybe for about like as i said like 15 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then it just becomes such a like a more layered like like so many things in the trailer make so much more sense in context yeah because i never would have guessed what was really going on in the movie cuz the trailer all, all made it look like oh here's fun wacky barbie hijinks mm-hmm. which it was but then it was like fun wacky barbie hijinks that's really trying to examine different questions you right. know yeah um, and ha- I I don't know if you've seen um, Greta Gerwig's uh, like Barbie watch list. I have on 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 Letterboxd. It is just a, just a fantastical like very col- colorful array of like movies that you never would have expected. I do to love inspire that a Barbie movie. I know the Truman Show was on there, and then mm-hmm. when the week Barbie came out, the Truman Show was also on my like popular with friends on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she also found apparently inspiration in like classic, like Technicolor musicals from the early 20th century. Like mm. it says here, the red shoes, which I just watched for the first time and the umbrellas of Sherberg, which also m- makes a lot of sense. Um, have you heard of the umbrellas of Sherberg? I have not. It's a movie. It's a musical where there is not a single spoken word. It's all song. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's, it's really, really interesting. And like Les Mis. No, well, Lamez has dialogue. I didn't know that. This I haven't seen it. Well, yeah, like the movie is like mostly one big song, but there are like little scenes, and there's scenes within songs. Oh. The Red Shoes, every single like it's not even really a musical. Every wait, single line is just wait. Sung. Is it the Red Shoes or is it the other? Sorry, one? Umbrellas of Sherbert. Okay, yeah, good catch. Um, just all of the lines are sung. Ah, yes, I see. and and there's like a little score behind it. Um, so uh, yeah, um. <sighs> Is that uh, all the development history? That's basically all the development history. I do have, or like, at least in an overview. Yeah, yeah. That's that's the biggest overview. Um, of course, like everything that I'm seeing here is, oh, you know, Ryan Gosling was approached to play Ken in October 2021. You know, it's 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 just like casting stuff that we know yeah. for sure actually ended up happening. Um, but uh, it says Margot Robbie revealed that she wanted uh, Gal Gadot to play a Barbie in the final film, but Gadot was unavailable due to scheduling conflicts, oh. which might have been for the best. Wow, um, <laughs> woman hater over here. <laughs> um, I don't know, uh, Gal Gadot. I'm not the biggest fan of her acting. Ability. I really liked her in the first Wonder Woman, yeah. and then and if every other time I've seen her play Wonder Woman, which is maybe the only role I've ever seen her in. Yeah. Um, I haven't liked it. I've seen her in um, Fast and Furious, which she's fine in. That was like that was one of her first roles. Oh. And um, Death on the Nile, which I think she is not great in either. Um, but yeah. And the Imagine it, video. And the Imagine video. It, it it just like every time she plays Wonder Woman, it seems like she's less and less into it. And then which makes, makes it less sense and less based on watch. the content they're giving her. Totally, totally. Like it makes sense that the first Wonder Woman was her best performance as Wonder Woman because it was the only time Wonder Woman had like good material yeah so coincidentally patty jenkins anyway moving on um also greta gerwig wanted uh timothy chalamet and saoirse ronan to make cameos but neither of them were available um and it's so cute that like i don't know it's just so clear that everyone who works with her loves her yeah and that she forms these real bonds with so many like and not just like the leads 
but like her crew. You hear so mm-hmm. many positive things about working on her set. Yeah. Which is amazing. I just read Burn It Down by, mm-hmm. do you know who it's by? I don't remember. Ooh, I'm going to find out. Well, real quick. so Burn It Down, it has come out recently and blown up on film TV writing Twitter, pretty much. Um, Maureen Ryan, thank you for looking that up. Yeah. Um, and it's all about history of abuse in Hollywood mm-hmm. and the film industry. And it talks about how for so long, a lot of these men were able to get away with abusive behaviors, not just in terms of like sexual harassment and things like that, but also just like being dicks, mm-hmm. just in favor of like artistic genius, you know, they're gonna, they might have a bad personality, but it's worth it for artistic genius. And people like Greta Gerwig, who she's nowhere near the only one, like plenty of male directors have reputations like this also, but it's just really noticeable with Greta as one of the largest mainstream female directors we have right now, can foster such lovely environments where everyone is like, everyone feels like it's a positive environment mm-hmm. and still yield such brilliant creative products so like you don't have to be an ass to be an artistic genius Mm -hmm. and good cinema can be made with care and respect and valuing other people's input and Mm -hmm. you don't have to be like a tyrant dictator on a set yeah anyway yeah i feel like all of her all of her movies i haven't seen her debut from like the like the early 2010s i think um but her three movies that I've seen just feel so like everyone really wants to be there and everyone's doing the best that they can. Totally. Yeah. And all the like set footage you see is mm-hmm. just so lovely yeah. and positive. Yeah. And then you just hear great things mm-hmm. from everyone involved. Yeah. Um, have you seen the picture of her and Noah Bombach at like a baseball game? No. Where she's, I got to find it. Um, and I'm not going to describe it until I find it. All of you listening at home, uh, you should look it up as well because it is one of my favorite photos of both of them. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Vamp while I find it. Vamp. Okay. So Ron's looking for a picture of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach at here, a baseball game. Here it is. Oh, he found it. <laughs> She's so happy and thrilled and he just looks oh, d- so depressed. Look so sad. <laughs> it says Greta Gerwig, actor slash director and, and Noah Baumbach, filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's I, funny. I just think that's, it, it seems very indicative of her personality and yeah. who she is. When it's part of like my philosophy that to be not just a genius, because like, you know, the word genius is, I think, kind of stupid when it comes to art sometimes, yeah. but like, to be someone with stories worth telling and a really fresh artistic perspective and to make really good worthwhile art, mm-hmm. you can still have fun and prioritize joy. Mm-hmm. And the priority doesn't have to be suffering or pain or anger, you know? Right. Yeah. And you can prioritize joy and fun and still tell a worthwhile story and still say something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, suffering isn't necessary for greatness. Yeah. yeah. And you there can be suffering alongside joy. Right. And they like make each other beautiful. And I think Barbie does a great job with that. Yeah. Like it really puts fun and joy first, but it doesn't hold back on the feelings either. And I think that makes it, some people were calling it tonal whiplash. And I think it's like, that's what life feels like, especially yeah. as a woman. Like sometimes moments of joy are underscored with weird, interesting feelings of like sadness or pain that can't even always be articulated. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. And I think that's great. Yeah. I think she captures it really well. Totally. Which this kind of launches us into our what worked. Yes. What worked totally. for you? Um, just sort of what you mentioned, the like I feel like tonal whiplash is a bit too strong of a phrase. Talk about tonal whiplash, Barbie and Oppenheimer back to back. I cannot <laughs> even imagine. Um, but I'd say Barbie is more tonal harmony. Yeah. In yeah. that it it. Two different notes that work well that together. That work well together, exactly. Oh, that's like, so good. Thank you. I'm in love with you. I'm Sorry. With you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the opening is set in Barbie Land, um, and everything seems perfect and fun for maybe about 10 minutes. And then the mood changes for another 10 minutes. We're still in Barbie Land. And then we go into the real world, and it becomes an entirely different movie. But 
it still maintains the same voice. Yes. Like, Always. It's it's still it's still clearly the same people who are Lost my train of thought there for a second. Yeah. It's clearly the same people who are behind it and who are trying to get a message across. And like nothing is lost in the tonal shift. Yes. I would say you're you really hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very strong voice, and that makes going back and forth between Ken going and asking to be a doctor just because he's a man and Barbie seeing a beautiful woman aging for the first time and not having learned that women are supposed to be ashamed of aging and finding it beautiful. Like those two scenes could not be more fundamentally different, Mm -hmm. but the voice is so strong throughout that it can go back and forth between things like that. And to me, it never felt unnatural. Like it still felt like it worked. Mm And I don't think everyone agrees. I've I've heard the biggest criticism I've heard is some people think that doesn't quite work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, It's remarkable how how movies because I feel like that that phrase tonal whiplash is thrown around a lot Mm -hmm. when something doesn't work and you're trying to justify it. Yeah, and with Barbie. I feel like you like that phrase I think would be applicable if you were trying to drag it down, but we're not. Yeah. Because it doesn't need to be because it does it so well. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. More things that worked for me. The scene at the bus stop with the old woman. I cried. Yeah. We'll talk more about that later. But yeah, Rowan cried at that. Gorgeous. And I know that production or producers or maybe the studio, I don't know. The someone, someone that wasn't Greta Gerwig yeah. fought to they didn't think that scene was necessary. And Greta fought really hard to not cut it. And was, I think, said that it's like the heart of the movie. And mm-hmm. if, if we can't have that scene in there, then there's no point yeah. in the movie. It's it's just two words that Barbie says. Yeah. Two words and you get a whole wealth of meaning. And it's like, it's, it's not just the meaning for her, but the meaning for us. This like, mm-hmm. if we were never taught that women shouldn't look older and that they should hide their aging, it would be beautiful. Like, and the fact that this old woman probably has never been called beautiful by a woman that looks as gorgeous and perfect as Barbie. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I don't, it, that scene really spoke to me. I think, I mean, a lot worked for me. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other real specifics. Production design, phenomenal. Costumes, phenomenal. All that, of course, worked. Yeah. Um, and then lead performances. Yes. I think, well, all the performances, really. Like, mm-hmm. I, there weren't any that I didn't like. Yeah. But Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling. Margot Robbie especially. Like, I remember, I think the time I turned to Rowan and said, wow, she is so, like, fucking good, was when she had just talked to the high school girls at the table and they kind of told her, like, you make p- girls feel bad about themselves. Like, you have this perfect body, we'll never achieve. You're not the feminist icon you think you are. You're not making the world better for us. Mm-hmm. And the way her face when she walked away from the table, like, there was so much pain. And just her, like, kind of trying not to cry, but, like, slowly Which is a feeling that it. she's not used to at all. Yeah. Like, like, she wasn't aware that those feelings could exist. And so it's, it's her... Like, trying to be like, what am I even feeling inside? And then she can't help the tears. And Margot Robbie just plays it brilliantly. It's mm-hmm. so good. And then Ryan Gosling. I I genuinely think that if you didn't, if you don't get the casting for Ken Wright, this movie doesn't really work. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling really understood what this was about. Yeah. Where are all the haters that said he was too old? Where are they now? <laughs> What about um, you? What else? Any, anything else you want to talk about? Well, I'm, I'm echoing everything that you said, of course. Specifically, the the production design um, was just off the charts remarkable. Uh, it caused an international shortage in the shade of pink that they <laughs> used, um, just because they used so much paint. Uh, and yeah, uh, this is it's 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 just such a well made movie on every single conceivable level. Um, and I think that's like you don't really see that super often these days, especially considering the budget was not huge. I mean, it was it was one hundred forty five million dollars, which is not yeah, which is not 
It's not small. Yeah, it's not small. But at the same time, it just goes to show that you can make a fantastic movie that looks great and you don't need like like $300 million to do it. Yeah. Um, When also, I don't think there was a ton of CG or anything. I think it was all pretty much all practical Mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. Um, especially, I love. Have you been seeing the footage? The yes, behind the scenes, the behind footage the scenes from, of them going through, like, like a, on the spaceship and on the to leave Barbie Land. Yeah. Yes, yeah. or go back to Barbie Land. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love it, and I. It's just so charming, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, it's like you know, practical sets look great and they work. Yeah. Why don't people use them more often? Yeah. Because people have this idea in their heads that CGI and visual effects will always look better than the real world because they can imagine things that the you can visualize things that do not exist in the real world. Yeah. But they're ignoring the fact that a lot of people who say that are ignoring the fact, depending on what they're talking about, but they're ignoring the fact that. Um, a lot of times, something tangible will will almost always look better if it's done well. Yeah, and I think I think this year D and D really proved that mm-hmm. for me. Like, yeah. it was D and D had such a cool mix of visual effects and practical effects, yeah. and I think that was really cool and really successful. Mm-hmm. Like, it looked really good. You couldn't tell what was what, and it all looked fantastic. Yeah, totally. Um, and so hopefully, more movies take cues from that. Exactly. Yeah, um, let's hope so. And like, not to say that D and D didn't have CGI. Of course it did. Yeah. But it just did not rely on CGI. Yeah. In a way that a lot of modern there were things that they could have just been like, let's CG that that they didn't. Um, okay, now let's talk about. Is there anything that didn't really work for you? So I rated this a four and a half mm-hmm. on Letterboxd instead of a five. As did I. And that rating for me just means that it's a fantastic movie i had a great time it's 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 one one of the best but it's not a personal favorite of mine just yet yeah and the more i think about it the more i don't think there's like a specific thing that's holding me back from a five or like a like perfection in in my mind it see it it it, it just feels to me like I don't know. I feel like th- part of me feels like this movie promised such a just utter strangeness, and we got a lot of it. But I feel like it could have gone the extra mile. I don't know if that's a hot take or not, but I just think that there is a lot more that they could have um, done in terms of just absolute craziness not to say that they didn't commit they absolutely did it yeah. was very weird and i loved every second of it um but i i felt like it was very like not restrained in the way that like this was clearly a filmmaker and not the studio making this movie however i do feel like there was some like some like you mentioned near near the start of the show it's hard to tell whether the show well the movie is not sure whether it wants to be pro capitalism or anti capitalism because it's a studio movie made by a brand yeah but it's also trying to say something else that is completely antithetical to what the brand and the studio want to say exactly. so it's just it's it's that sort of disparate that i think is not the movie's fault yes. that's just the circumstances that it had and I think that that is an, like that's another reason that it's not fully like a five for me. But I that still that is the exact yeah. thing that like, I was going to say. I feel say. like that's so minor in the grand scheme. Of well, things. and like it's hard because uh, like part of me is like I wish it said more about this, but the whole like the movie is about these impossible standards that women can be held to, mm-hmm. and like the fact that you come out of it and you're like, wow, it was so good. Except I wish they tackled this issue too. And it's like, am I holding this to an impossible standard? Like, did I expect it to tackle every single issue? Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the one thing for me that didn't fully work is just that it it had to function as a critique of Barbie and simultaneously a an avenue to sell Barbies, like, and to sell Barbie merchandise. Mm-hmm. And so I think there is the limitation, like you're saying, in it being a studio movie and a commercial mm-hmm. for a brand. Right. So that is like, there are a couple of times where you can kind of feel it holding back, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. where it doesn't want to. And so it's less that it wasn't tackling issues that I wanted it to, and more that it wasn't tackling every issue that it wanted to, it seemed to me, because specifically capitalism and critiquing Mattel as a brand, but specifically because of the um, the fact that it had to be a commercial at the totally. same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very well said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Should we move on to our top three lists? Let's do it. Slash favorites lists. Yeah. This is a thing we're trying. We tried it for what three episodes? This is our third episode where we're doing this top three. What was the first? Ghibli. Ghibli. Right. And then Barbie movies, and now Barbie movie. Yeah. This is the first like single movie that we're doing it for. So yeah. this is still still sort of a test. So I tried to come up with some top threes or favorite things to talk about. Did you write yours down beforehand? Nope. You're I'm coming up. Winging on the I'm winging do- it. I'm doing. I'm pulling a Ghibli, and I'm winging it. Oh, I wrote mine down days ago. So yeah. if one of us is better than the other, then you know why. Yeah. And if Rowan's better, then I don't know what the hell that means. <laughs> and and what is and what does better mean when it's top threes? I mean, more thought out, oh, I guess. Yeah. Okay, so our first one, we're doing top three characters. Mm-hmm. What are your top three characters? My top three characters. It's it's so hard not to put Barbie and Ken at the top. I agree. Just because they're like they're the central characters, the whole I story. Almost, I kind of lied because I didn't want to put Barbie and Ken at the yeah. top. So Ken isn't on my top three, but like he kind of should be. Yeah. Um, so my list would probably go um, just in terms of character would be uh, Barbie. Ken, honestly, probably after that is weird. Barbie, Kate McKinnon. At third. Just because, yeah, because the idea of the character is so smart and so accurate to real yeah, life too. Totally. How you play with Barbies. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, I love when. <laughs> It becomes like Kendom. She becomes like this, like this, like badass, like yeah, like uh, like you like fight against the machine kind of yeah. kind of person because that's how you know, like that's how a like a like a a Ken ish man who lives in Kendom would like would see a woman like weird Barbie who's like completely like sort of on the outside of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I yeah. So number three, I have Weird Barbie. I loved Weird Barbie. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I have Barbie, and number one, I have Alan. That's almost a lie. Of course, the, Alan. I like really Barbie and Ken are just so great. Who? But Alan, I put it number one yeah. because he's like my honorary favorite. He's he's very funny. I think he's hilarious. If you had to guess, I love what he represents. Who would be the actor that you like? If you had to guess. And well, okay, I'm making you guess an actor. Okay. There is one actor who was offered the role of Alan but turned it down. Who do you think it oh, is? Oh God. Is it someone that makes it's sense? It's someone it's someone that makes sense and it's someone that you know. It might be someone on a show that we're watching together right now. Oh, I feel like you told me this. Is it David Tennant? No. An- another show. The other show that we're watching right now. Glee? Yeah. Wait, it's a Glee? It was it Darren Chris? No, it's a character that we know that we that that we've seen in the show. Oh God! Wh- which Wait, other wh- which other well known actor? Well known was he a guest star? Or is he a main Glee cast member? I would say he's a, a main Glee cast member and guest star. What the hell? <laughs> Wait, a well it's not Matthew Morrison. No. Oh god, I was no, 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 no. He gets the he gets the guest starring, but he's a member of the Glee Club. Was it Mike Chang? No. Wait. Do you want me do you want me to tell no, you? No, no, wait. Do, I got to figure do this out. You want me out. to give you another hint? Is it Artie? No. No, he's not that well no, known. No, he get guest starring. He he is a guest star. Oh, oh, Jesse St. James. Was it is it's, it It's Jonathan, it's Jonathan Groff. Groff? Yeah. Okay, that would work. I would be yeah. there for it. Yeah. I was going to say, no one from the Glee cast would be offered that part. <laughs> yeah. Jonathan Groff? Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, perfect. Yeah. But honestly, good that he turned it down because Michael Sarah was perfect. Yeah. David Tennant could have been Alan. He could have been. <laughs> he's a little too old for Alan. Oh, he's way too old <laughs> That for man Alan. has adult children. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, now, top three performances. Again, this is going to be hard to distinguish from characters. Margot Robbie and Ryan Gosling are at the top. Yeah, for me, as me as well. Um, because Margot Robbie, because they both do something that's so astounding. What order do you have them? I would have um, Ryan Gosling at the top. Really, yes. I have Margot Robbie at the top. Interesting, and then Ryan Gosling. They're they're pretty much neck and neck for me. But Ryan Gosling just does the Ken thing so well. Yeah, and 
he is such a great comedic actor that's not offered enough comedic or or like doesn't take enough comedic roles um to really solidify him as a great oh yeah comic. i think he destroyed the comedy i just think margot robbie delivers such subtleties in yeah. a performance that could be more one-dimensional it, it could be very superficial it is yeah. such a like just through the smallest of expressions, she gives Barbie so much depth and nuance. Okay, you've convinced me. Okay. Margot Robbie, number one. <laughs> and I think she should get a Best Actress nom. I don't think she should Let's, necessarily win. We should talk about Oscars at the end. Like okay, what, okay. What, what we think is going to... But So I have Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling at number two. Who do you have as number three? Um, number three is uh, going to be... I definitely thought of this beforehand... Is going to be. Do you want me to tell mine first? No. Okay. It's probably going to be Will Ferrell. Oh. Because he is like I. I was telling you while we were walking out of the um. Of the theater, is that he's doing his Will Ferrell thing? Like he's doing the same thing that he always does. Yeah. In 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 most it movies, it feels more reined in than normal. Yes, and also it's perfect for the character. Oh yeah. Because that character is like a satire of corporate America. When he does a great job, and I think the writing and directing does a great job, of men are never painted as malicious. Mm -hmm. They are never evil. They're never villainous. They are benefiting from an evil system. And sometimes they, like, it's, it paints the system of the patriarchy as the bad thing, Mm -hmm. and men as sometimes just confused or excited or misguided and that is why they are doing some of these bad things so i and will ferrell does a great job because this like corporate businessman that wants to send barbie back and maintain the status quo could very easily be like a crazy villain you know Mm -hmm. but instead he's like uh, he's an antagonist in like a goofy way but never in like um, a cruel, mean-spirited way that's trying to make the men look bad, which I love. I think that's great. Yeah. I, ha- I wrote him as an honorable mention. My number three is America Ferrera. I, I really liked her performance, especially delivering that speech about the double standards for being a woman. That was really That good. could have been so corny. Like yeah. that could have, that's such an important part of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it really worked for me. It was really yeah. impactful, but it could have come off as super stupid and preachy. And, and like, really, it, it could have felt like it was cramming it down our throats. But the way she delivers it with such earnest frustration mm-hmm. um, really worked. And I think that was a really important part. So, yeah, that's why I have Will Ferrell as an honorable mention. Because I think he's great for what he is. But America Ferreira has a more important yeah. performance that she has to give. Yeah. Um, what's next? Next is top three jokes. Top three jokes. My mom's here. We're talking about the Barbie movie on our podcast. (laughs) Mom, do you have any any input about the Barbie movie? You don't have to. I just know you loved it. I did love it. I thought it was very innovative and fresh and sort of unexpected. Uh, Way more than just, you know, uh, something about a toy. Um, I'm going to ask you the question we just answered. I'm putting you on the spot. All right. If you had to name your top three favorite acting performances in the movie, you can just name the characters. Do you know what that would be? Well, number one would be Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's number one for you? Loved. Loved, loved, loved. Let's see. Number two. I mean, how do you not love... Will Ferrell, but it wasn't unexpected at all. It was yeah. like right. same old Will Ferrell, but yeah. you, you just gotta love that. Let's see, who else? Honestly, Michael Sarah would probably pop up on my list, too. Michael Sarah did a really good he's job. He's so good doing the very clearly closeted gay man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So many of the, the parts were ensemble parts, so mm-hmm. they weren't, they didn't stand out above... Yeah. I mean, Margot Robbie was outstanding. How yeah. do you... Yeah. She's the top of mind. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks You're for welcome. stopping by. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so jokes next. Jokes. Top three favorite jokes. Top three favorite jokes. Okay. I may need to go first for this. Or do you have them off the top of your head? I do have them off. Oh, off that's the top crazy. Of okay. Um, so in no, so these are like more like broad jokes than anything else. Mm-hmm. But in no particular order, um, I'm here to see my gynecologist. Mm. Um, Mojo Dojo Casa House. That is so funny. Um, and oh man, it's I, I'm having trouble deciding between the horse thing because that's so random yeah. and so funny um and the um the uh the godfather joke oh wait i totally forgot about another one. One, one one more one more one more is when they're driving in uh in is is it la that, that they're at it's i think venice venice beach or something yeah, yeah yeah so when they're driving and they see a a, a billboard model with bikini models on it uh, sorry, a billboard with bikini models on it, and they go, "Oh, the Supreme Court, they look so good." Oh, that that one's funny. I <laughs> yeah. forgot about that one. Yeah, yeah, I love the um, the Godfather. I've never seen this. Could you start it over and talk over the entire thing? <laughs> that one is really funny. Yeah. So I have in number three, I have the joke where they just every time Midge is on screen, the narrator and the camera are like, "We can't look at her." I love that that you can't look at the pregnant yeah. woman. Um, played, whole- fun fact, played by Emerald Fennell, uh, who is in The Crown and directed and wrote Promising Young Woman and won an Oscar for one of those things. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, number two, I have Play Guitar at You, that whole bit, <laughs> the playing guitar at you. And then number one, I laughed so hard at the friggin' Weird Barbie is weird because you played with her too hard. Yeah. And like all the real world shots compared to what Kate McKinnon looks like. Mm-hmm. That really got me. Okay, yeah. what scene, Rowan? We already kind of talked about this. What scene made you the most emotional? Uh, I guess after the scene on the bench, which is just so, um, so good and uh, so great, and also so short, and it's, succeeds it is good and great in being and short. succeeds in being great. You're, you're making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, succeeds in being fantastic while also just not having any time to actually be like exist as a scene um there's that and then there's uh the ending with ruth handler and barbie and her like having her her moment and ruth's line i don't remember it off the top of my head exactly but it's um like mothers stand still so their daughters can i don't remember it either hold on vamp i'm gonna look it up he's gonna look it up i'll talk about mine while he's looking back my favorite are um or not my favorite. What made me the most emotional was also Barbie at the bus stop. And then also the, yeah, the final scene about being human with the montage. That really got me. We mothers stand still so our daughters can look back and see how far they've come. Yeah. That one's gorgeous. So that final scene got me. I love the montage of the real women and Margot Robbie's acting. And then also America's speech about being a woman. Mm-hmm. The first time she gives it, not every time she's yeah. using it to snap women out of their trances or Barbies out of their trances. That um, that made me a little emotional. Mm-hmm. Okay, next, your top three costumes. Top three costumes. Uh, Alan's costume. Um, what, what, like the striped shirt and the yeah, suspenders? I, I think it's so funny. <laughs> it's funny. I do like when he's in this party costume and yeah. he retains the... <laughs> oh, no, wait. The suspenders aren't part of his normal costume. It's the it's Ken's clothes. It's like right, the beach yeah. shirt that's yeah. a little unbuttoned at the bottom. Yeah. And then he only has suspenders in the party. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Gosling's costume in the dance sequence mm. where he has like... It's sort of like a half cowboy outfit. Yeah. Um, I think that was fantastic. And uh, and and Barbie's outfit from uh, when she goes into the real world. And um, the Western outfit? The Western outfit, okay. yeah. I have number three, I have the Western outfit. Mm-hmm. Barbie and Ken kind of matching, but really just Barbie I love. Number two, I have, I called it pe- Ken's patriarchy outfit where he has that giant coat on and the headband. <laughs> I love that. And then number one, uh, rollerblading. I mm. love the rollerblading outfits. I think they're so fun. I am disappointed they didn't because one one of the first things that we saw from this movie, like filming wise, is when the guy s- slaps Barbie's butt. Yeah. And she punches him. And then in uh, in the filming clips, 
Ken screams this super high-pitched scream, oh. and it's so funny, and I'm disappointed that they didn't put it in the movie. Wait, I want to see that. I don't even know what you're talking yeah. about. Can, I, can we watch after? I'll find it. I'll find it. Yeah. Okay. After we're going to watch. After we end this. Okay. Next, we have favorite scene. Do you know what yours is, or do you want me to go first? Uh, you should go. Okay. My favorite scene is I love the little montage where all the Barbies would distract the various Kens and then sneak away a brainwashed Barbie and unbrainwash her. Like it was super fun, women working together. And then also I love all the different ways they would distract the Kens, like looking hot, being confused, like the, I don't know how to use Photoshop and the, oh, the Godfather, I've never seen this. I thought all that was really funny. Um, And then I, yeah, and I love the teamwork and I love the little... The Barbies realizing, like, oh, my God, I'm the president. I can't believe I was doing this. And America giving many versions of her speeches about all the contradictions and double standards for being a woman. What about you? Yeah. Um, probably. I don't know. Can I go with the same one? That's stupid. You well, can I'm, if you want. I'm stupid, so I'm going with the same one. Okay. Okay, um, now we have three more. Who's your favorite Barbie other than Barbie, stereotypical Barbie that Margot Robbie plays? Um, bias leads me toward uh, Emma Mackey, who's physicist Barbie, mm-hmm. um, who won a Nobel Prize. Uh, and I love her friendship with the Shudigatwa Ken, yeah. uh, especially because they're, like, they're both in sex education together. Um, and I also think it's pretty cool that she did her own dubbing for the French version of the film. Yeah. Yeah. I love Weird Barbie, yeah. so she's up there for me. And then I also, I don't know why, I think just because I really like how big and cute her eyes are, I loved the Sharon Rooney lawyer Barbie. Oh, yeah. I liked her a lot. Yeah. And I thought she was funny. I also like the Issa Rae president Barbie. I thought she, oh, she's I thought great. Just, just Issa Rae in general did, did a great job. Yeah. Um. Okay, next we have who's your favorite Ken other than Ken. Uh, I, f- I feel like most people would say the Simu Liu Ken just because he's the most prominent Ken aside mm-hmm. from regular Ken. I like the Kingsley Benadir Ken. <gasps> That's the one I picked. Really? I think he's so cute and bubbly yeah. Yeah, and yeah, excited yeah. all the yeah, time. Yeah, and, and he's like he's clearly like like wants to be best friends with with Ken. Love it. I yeah. think it's so funny. Yeah. And I also think it's funny how Barbie came out the same week as an episode of Secret Invasion where Kingsley Benadir plays quite literally the opposite of his character in Barbie. He's just a, a ruthless scrawl killer. And um, yeah, he is a fantastic actor, by the way. He was, he played Malcolm X in a movie called One Night in Miami mm. that was fantastic. Uh, and I think he should be in more things. Yeah, I picked the Kingsley Benadir Barbie, or Ken, too. <laughs> yeah. And then who's your fave human? This one is, there's not as many options. My favorite, either America Ferreira or her daughter. I think her daughter was also a really interesting character. Oh, totally. Um, played by Ariana Greenblatt, who's in everything these days. Boss say, Baby, Back in Business, Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> the two biggest movies in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I liked the Ariana Greenblatt's performance, I think, more than I liked her character. But her character, I think, was very necessary for... The story and also the themes. And the misdirection that it was her and it was her mom and not her that was playing with the Barbie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, D- I said Barbie. the America Ferreira character or the Will Ferrell character yeah. or my favorite humans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess we'll talk about Oscar's consideration. I hope this sweeps next year. I If this doesn't win... The only one that I'm like, it needs to win. Everything else I think can be competitive. And I'm like, I hope it gets noms, but I don't know if I'm like ready to say that it deserves to win for sure. Right. Production design though. Yeah. Like I mean, how if, can you beat this? If if Dune comes out this year, I think there is a, it has strong competition from Dune. Um, Why? They're just in the desert. <laughs> I think Asteroid City has also has phenomenal production design. That's fair. And I think it is way cooler to reward something like Barbie or Asteroid City. Agreed. That has such a unique point of view. Mm-hmm. And I agree. like, it's not just production design. It, it's like such a unique world that they have to build mm-hmm. entirely on their own. And also a lot of practical sets for both of those. Like a ton of production design. 
And uh, yeah, so I think I think this should win the production design Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's. I, I think it is a strong case to um, to get nominated for just a ton, a ton of stuff. Yeah, like pretty. I, I think it could get nominated for director, script, original script. Would it be original or adapted? That is an interesting. That is an interesting thought. question. It would probably be adapted. Now that I'm thinking about it, could it win adapted? Maybe it's possible. What else is there in adapted? Uh, this is year, Oppenheimer adapted? Yes, Oppenheimer would be ad- uh, it, it's 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 based on a book. But Oppenheimer would beat it for screenplay, right? Maybe. There's Just because I've heard it's like Nolan's best dialogue ever. Yeah. There's also Killers of the Flower Moon, the new Scorsese, okay. which is based on a book based on true events, and um, yeah. So I don't I don't think it's gonna win. I think it has a shot to be nominated. Uh, act actress supporting actor. I hope for Ryan Gosling. Yeah. That one. It's like if the if the Oscars voters don't have, like, if the Academy doesn't have a stick up their ass, Gosling ch- could get a nomination. Yeah. He won't win. I think Robert Downey Jr. is going to run away with it for Oppenheimer. And so. then I think Margot Robbie, if she doesn't get a nomination, it's absurd. And I think she has a chance at winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll Depending see. on other things. Like, you know. Also, a very good chance that lead performances in *The Color Purple* are phenomenal. If, if it's that not delayed. comes out this year, yeah. Um, so we'll see on that one. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that there's no way uh, there's going to be another performance that isn't better than Margot Robbie yeah. this early in the year. I think very easily. Well, it's or not very easily, yeah. but we're seven months in. Yeah, more than half. But like, it's not like award season yet, right? So yeah, um, and this is a summer blockbuster. Yeah, true. Technically, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I think uh, maybe. Do you think it could get a best picture nomination? Maybe, especially if movies are being delayed, right, for the strike. Yeah, um, that's almost best case for me. Is yeah. is everything gets delayed and Barbie wins everything? Also, do you think I'm just Ken gets an original song nomination? God, I, I hope so. That song is hilarious. My unpopular opinion: I think Ryan Gosling's cover of "Push." Is better than I'm just Ken. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. I wanna take you for granted. It's apparently not a Nickelback song, as we thought for a it's while. It's like Matchbox Twenty or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene was hilarious, and especially when it pans out to all of the other Kens singing yeah. it as well. When I'm just talking about the song itself, totally. Like totally. I think the I'm just Ken whole sequence was really good, yeah. especially the dance part. Right. But um, but in terms of like the song itself. It's not an original, so like it's not Oscars right. at all. Yeah. But I, I love Push is my guilty pleasure right now. Hey, if I'm just Ken is nominated, that means they have to perform it at the Oscars. Oh God, I hope so. so and if Ryan Gosling's nominated, he'll be there. So oh. Academy, do your thing. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's our discussion of Barbie 2023. Yeah, um, we loved it. We're we might see it again at some point. Who knows? Yeah, I'll see it again for sure. Yeah. Um, and also, I'll see anything Greta Gerwig does. Mm-hmm. At this point, I'm, like, fully on board. Have you seen what her next project is going to be? No. What is it? A uh, Narnia series for Netflix. Not a series. Like, a movie series. Oh, I'm here for but, it. But, yeah. She would get it. You yeah, know? Totally. Yeah. Timothy Chalamet as Mr. Tumnus. <laughs> yeah, honestly. That, you know, I'm, yeah. I can see it. <laughs> Saoirse Ronan as... Uh... Well, she's too old. She's too old to play any of the and the, any kids. of the Pensieves. Yeah, um, or is that their last name? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, 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 Pevensey. Pevensey, whatever. Yeah. Not Pensieves. <laughs> Pensieve. I don't know. I wasn't a big Narnia fan. Yeah. I don't even think I read all the books. I read the first two, and I watched all the movies. And I read it. the Horse and His Boy. <laughs> Which, like, who reads that yeah. one? And I read Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, and maybe one more, but I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Real ones read The Horse and His Boy, The Magician's Nephew, and The Last Battle, and don't read any of the main books. Uh, anyway. No, wait. I think I read The Magician's Nephew. That's, like, the prequel, I think. I think right? I read yeah. Magician's Nephew, Horse and His Boy, and Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe. What is The Horse and His Boy even about? Like, Couldn't which, remember. which characters does it center around? None of them. That's crazy. It's it's not the main characters. That's wild. Well, I mean, neither is the magician's nephew, but it's the professor from the from the yeah, main story. Yeah, the as, horse a, and his boy, I don't remember what it is. 
Interesting. Like I think it it almost felt like a standalone. I don't. I remember nothing about it though. So I'm kind of talking out of my ass. Yeah. I just remember I read it. Well, anyway, when Greta Gerwig does those movies, we'll be there. Yeah. Um, we'll be there on at the day one. Yeah, we'll be at the filming. <laughs> And they'll say, yeah. how did you get in here? And we'll be like... Don't. We'll be like, we do a podcast, don't worry. <laughs> that always works. Yeah. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. We really, really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank um, you, Shane. We'll be <laughs> we'll be back next week uh, with another episode. Um, so for now, I'm Rowan Wood. I'm Davis Mathis. And we'll see you again soon. Love you.